Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. In my newest podcast episode, I'll analyze the mechanics around a disruptive build process within the energy drinks market that has already generated billions in retail sales. But before we get started, I would love if you took 55 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. Maybe you think I'm drinking too much of my own Rise Fuel Kool-Aid, but if you haven't noticed yet, there's a new build process within the energy drinks market, and it has already shown potential to change the game. Even if I didn't spend the last decade being a deep practitioner and considered one of the leading strategists within the now $21 billion US energy drinks market, I would still think it's one of the most fascinating packaged beverage categories right now. I mean, it has all of the key elements of great storytelling, interesting beginnings, memorable characters, engaging plot with strong dramatic subplots, gains, losses, setbacks, and comebacks, and familiarity, yet intrigue. Maybe one day I'll bring those compelling stories to life by taking that top five energy drink CEO up on his recent offer to fund my documentary filmmaking career. But until then, I guess everyone will have to settle for whatever snippets that fly out of my overactive brain in these YouTube videos. Now, this content isn't going to contain a ton of historical details about the energy drinks market, but I think offering up a few will be important as I'm decoding that introductory statement. During the 15-year stretch from 2004 to midway through 2019, the top three brands within the energy drinks market went unchanged. It was Red Bull in the top spot, Monster Energy aggressively closing the gap, and Rockstar Energy pulling up the rear. But then Bang Energy blasted past Rockstar Energy that summer with a staggering 700% plus year-over-year growth rate or so, ending the 2019 calendar year at around $1.2 billion in retail sales. This sent shockwaves across the packaged beverage space for many reasons, but I want to focus on a particular aspect of the Bang effect. It's time we all give Bang Energy the respect it deserves for what the brand did in the late 2010s to totally disrupt the energy drinks market. A great tasting carbonated water with sugar or sweetener, flavor, and caffeine just wasn't going to be enough anymore because energy without the plus had started looking boring in the market. Bang Energy put Energy Plus on the map, which forced Monster and Rockstar into defensive product strategy mode and at the same time, consciously or subconsciously inspired many sports nutrition brand entrepreneurs to take a leap from pre-workout powders to energy drinks. And hold on to that last, kind of very last point, because I'll circle back to it very soon. But the bang effect was also instrumental in broadening the appeal of energy drinks by attracting more health conscious consumers. Taking all that expansive categorical momentum and sprinting with it was Celsius. There was not a bigger double beneficiary than Celsius of the Bang Energy Distribution Musical Chairs game that happened from April 2020 to August of 2022. So instead of the Bang Energy downfall causing the beverage old heads to think Energy Plus was just another one-hit wonder, ephemeral moment, the wildly successful Celsius and PepsiCo partnership became the transition catalyst 
that cemented the energy drink subcategory as an unavoidable disruptive force. While I might be a bit biased considering my professional background, I've always believed the best and brightest sports nutrition brands could compete against any large CPG incumbent when it comes to functional food and beverage. Even if they don't ever want to admit it publicly, large energy drink incumbents are worried about the often imitated, never duplicated, influential epicenter of the CPG industry, sports nutrition. Why? Well, it reminds me of something I just said in a recent piece of content about the sports drinks market. Gatorade had been accustomed to fending off direct attacks from known competitors. However, what happens when the market leader must fend off a rapidly multiplying amount of legitimate indirect attacks from lesser known competitors? Now swap Gatorade for Red Bull and Monster Energy. What Red Bull and Monster Energy want is for new categorical entrepreneurs to follow existing energy drink category playbooks that honestly they created. Previously, the typical build process within not only energy drinks, but the entire kind of CPG space has been that you start with bringing to life what that entrepreneur believes is a great product idea. This creates a bit of confidence mirage because while the manufacturing barriers to entry are relatively low at this point for energy drinks, that's where the cheap fund stops with packaged beverages. Yes, you can build an inexpensive Shopify website and instantly be your first nationwide retailer, but try to sell heavy ass water online at a competitive price that allows you to be profitable enough to grow your business with free cash flow. Yes, you can personally create tons of organic content on social media, hoping for the algorithm gods to bless you, but how can you efficiently connect content with e-commerce when the unit economics just don't make sense? That means you're working within the legacy sales and distribution models that have stood the test of time within the packaged beverage space. Even without considering cost of doing business things like slotting fees or trade spend, you will be required to hold substantially more inventory to feed growth within these legacy sales and distribution models. After understanding that, it then transitions into a financial modeling exercise that will either way signal to the market leaders of your speed and threat level. Because growing your energy drink brand quickly in large retail channels will almost always require you to raise more and more capital, each round being bigger in size, thus becoming less private. On the other hand, deciding against raising substantial growth capital will likely leave your energy drink brand in no man's land. Yes, you'll be under the radar from the market leadership, but you also won't be attractive to the key gatekeepers of those legacy sales and distribution models. Following this build process within today's energy drinks market is almost guaranteed to fail because traditional category leaders understand how to compete against it. But now, sports nutrition brands have started to change the game. There are two major aspects I want to highlight, but instead of me jabbering on about the first one, I'll just share a recent clip from a conference where the co-founders of Bucked Up mentioned it. We were, we were really bootstrapping for a long time and we would just divide up those responsibilities uh, as, as we went. And then we got to a point where we wanted to come out with energy drinks and we're like, man, we might need a lot of capital for this. So let's, let's consult with an investment banker or somebody. And the CFO that we hired goes, guys, you don't need investment banking money. You don't need money. money. You're doing just fine. The amount of stuff you sell will pay for the rest. And so we said, 
thank you. <laughs> and don't thank you. We don't need any baker, investment. We just we said, don't sorry, money. we don't need your money. We don't need to raise any money. But more important than those higher margin supplement sales being able to act like the bank or energy drinks is that those adjacent categorical sales aren't just numbers in a spreadsheet or a bank account, but members of an audience. And it's those powerful audiences that have become defensible competitive moats and valuable business assets for CPG brands. Now, these sports nutrition brands didn't invent the build an audience first strategy, but recently the CPG industry has seen it being leveraged in a much more flashier manner. Paired with strong CPG industry operators, the celebrity packaged goods movement attempts to strategically align a celebrity with the right product. This would then pull forward brand awareness to a level that takes competitors years or many millions of dollars. But instead of using this very loud audience first method, sports nutrition brands are operating within the shadows of harder to track sales channels like specialty and e-commerce where they can incubate powdered pre-workout energy supplement platforms that can be extended into the beverage format. And the proof is really in the pudding for how disruptively successful this build process has become within the energy drinks market. If we look at the top 10 energy drink brands, according to sales data from all track channels in 2023, you'd have half of them that were in one way or another incubated within the sports nutrition space. Those would be Celsius, Ghost, C4 Energy, Alani New, and Bang Energy. Additionally, Rain could be thrown in there with an asterisk because Monster Energy bought its way in to the sports nutrition space. Furthermore, Ghost, C4 Energy, and Alani New Energy Drinks were all launched after or during the height of the Bang Effect. If we just take those five incubated in sports nutrition market leaders, they generated around $3.6 billion in retail sales in 2023. Finally, consider the strong list of powdered pre-workout energy supplement platforms that are just below those top 10 energy drink brands and in different phases of beverage commercialization strategies. A collection of names like Rise Fuel, Bucked Up Energy, G Fuel, Redcon One Energy, Jocko Go, Gorilla Mind, RSP Amino Lean, and EHP Labs OxyShred. That's an aggregate of several hundred million more in energy drink retail sales. And I won't even go one more layer deep because you get the point here, as the changing of the guard within the energy drink space is only getting started. But I just wanna end with a quick final thought. If the big two energy drink incumbents weren't nervous enough, consider that this next leg of Energy Plus growth story will be led by John Feldley, Doss Cunningham, and Dan Lorenzo and they won't likely make the same competitive mistakes that brought down the house that Jack Owak built. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 